Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. So glad you're with us. Outkick 360, agenda-free sports talk each and every day, each afternoon, 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central. We are live in Nashville, Tennessee daily, 6th and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Coming up, Withrow's got the reseeding of the Sweet 16. We'll dive in team by team. Uh, interested to see where Chad has a couple teams that I think have I've got moved some up. Surprises. I think they've moved up a bit I've based got on a, their showing. I've got a prediction for number 16. I've got some surprises. All right. Number 16 will not be a surprise, so your <laughs> prediction is probably correct. Um, speaking of reseeding, Hutton, did I hear correctly that you have already mowed for the first time this year? I mowed yesterday. My guys yeah. wow. were out today. I mowed yesterday. Um, I am it, holding it was, off as uh, long as I can. Claire had been, she had been uh, saying that the, the backyard needed to be mowed, and a couple of my neighbors thought there was some innuendo there. That was, there was no innuendo. Uh, the backyard did <laughs> no, need to be she mowed. Was the backyard about the actually lawn. needed and, to be uh, trimmed. <laughs> yes, yes. There's no waxing. And so uh, last night, my yard was manscaped. And um, yeah, it's, Brody, it's taken care it. of. You took yes. it down. Took it down a couple levels. Yes. Uh, before, before, it's very sleek now. So the that, front of my yard was, was sod, and the backyard was not. And so it grows much faster uh, because it's just a different grass. So it's all, it was already like ankle high or more in some cases. So, it, yeah, I, I broke the seal yesterday, unfortunately, Chad. <laughs> yeah, I'm all out there. So I've got um, some, uh, some, someone's coming out to do some landscaping work around the house that's going to lead to me having to mulch. Mm-hmm. I'll be doing the mulching, and I'm hoping that can take place not this weekend but next. The back of my mind, I'm thinking if I can hold out until <laughs> next weekend, not even this weekend, I've got the – Big softball opening night, Thursday night, and then a follow-up game on Saturday. And I just want to make it to the following weekend. That's the player was com- uh, complaining. She was uh, ribbing me a bit. She was like, man, the garage smells like gasoline now. And I said, you know what our backyard smells like? Fresh-cut grass. <laughs> <laughs> That's the trade-off, Claire. If you want a garage that smells like gasoline and a yard that looks nice and smells like fresh-cut grass, you might have to deal with some gasoline smells. I like the, the smell the of gasoline and fresh-cut grass. So yeah, I, would have been, I would have been in heaven at the Hutton House. I, I, that that I do. summertime garage smell is very different than any other time it, of year. For sure. I, no doubt about I, it. I do, you, you like the smell of the, uh, at least I do, like at the gas station at the pump, yeah. the, the fumes. Yeah. This is a different, this is a, this this is is a mixture that. of oil, gas, and old... You know, old push Kirby, uh, you need Kirby over there smoking. Our former. There you engineer. go. There I feel go. like uh, making it dangerous. I feel like Joe Kinsey from Outkick, who has the Thursday night mowing league, should be a part of this discussion. Oh, I should have absolutely the guy's worn a mowing that shirt expert. yesterday. Yeah, it's, yeah it's I missed a, out there. It's a good shirt. David it's a good R- movement for guys to all get together and mow their yard on Thursday night, so your weekend is free. I feel like Reed <laughs> for sports watching and family time. I feel like he is a great gauge here. Reed, wh- did I did I mow too soon? Is is March? 
21st. It is spring, officially. Right. Is March 21st way too early to mow my yard? I guess it depends on if if those wild onions are getting out of control. You gotta you gotta preemptively strike those. But had you put down any pre-emergent before no. you got see, nope. yeah, probably should have done that a couple weeks ago and give it some time to really seep in there before you got that first mole in there. Yeah. I love how you guys are talking about hunting the manual labor that you've done. Chad, yours is upcoming, and Paul's guys that were out. They were out today. <laughs> they were out today. Well, the same guys same group that there. hung up his uh, Christmas Johnsons. lights or, the or that gave him the eight grand bid for them. <laughs> Fitting in the with John- the theme, the Johnsons were out. <laughs> I was telling Reed the other day, and I'm sure he was laughing at me in, in mockery, uh, but I have work boots that I, I mow the yard in. And I just sometimes put the work boots on because it makes me feel like I've done something. Yeah. <laughs> like I like to walk around the You're garage like in, the work in the work boots and I think, <laughs> what, what needs to be done? Like it's magic. You put them on. First off, they're heavy as can be. You know, they're, like you it's feel like, like you've got to, It's like when you had the, remember the old ankle, ankle weights? Oh, yeah. To go try to dunk? I feel like I'm wearing ankle weights around the, the yard. You put them on though and it inspires you. It's like, okay, what project needs to be done now? I, that I, have I ought to get a pair on? of these boots. It takes a while to put them on. I'm looking too. for inspiration. The, the, the lace-up process a little bit longer. It's, it really gets it done. Uh, for those that remember Keith Bullock, we all do. Uh, former Titan and Giants linebacker. Uh, going to the weight room whenever it was his turn to go lift, he would, he would change out of cleats. He would always, I think he would work out after his practice. Because then it was two-a-days, from what I remember, and you could do before or after. Yeah. And he would always work out in, either in between the practices or right after the second one. And hey, he would change into these steel-toe boots and, and shorts. And that was – just put it, he said he did it Set because it put, him in a, yeah, it put him in a mindset to go work. I just want to share the, I love that. the one thing. I was at my first JV baseball game yesterday, and I told you guys about it off air. But the classic line here, my son is a sixth grader, and he is very focused and very invested in this. But some of the other sixth graders were not, and this is a sixth and seventh grade JV. It should be more seventh grade. It's a little sixth grade heavy. But some of the sixth graders who did not make it onto the field or were only part-timers got an earful from the coach after the game who said, I don't know what you guys are doing on your little league teams, but this is not going to fly here. And you may not be here for another game at another game or two if you don't get it together. So they were messing around with their friends through the dugout and everything. And before I even got it out of my mouth to Simon, like you weren't talking, he was like, "No, Dad, I was all." So he's in. one of the sixth graders, though. Yeah, but he's playing. He's he's playing, and he was completely focused. But some of these other guys were like trading skittles through the fence. Yeah. And, Joking around, and they were asked how many outs there were and stuff, and they didn't have the answer. So this guy's running a tight. This isn't ship. T-ball anymore. Yeah. This isn't yeah. my. This isn't my yeah. level. I'm coaching <laughs> yeah, right now. Right. <laughs> so if you're a sixth grader at Sunset Middle School, you better know the score. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of skittle trading going on on my little team. <laughs> a lot of dandelion picking. There's onions out on our park field right now, too. Evie's Evie's running like a prison commissary out there. (laughs) Oh, well, Evie uh, makes a game of when any coach asks her if she knows where the play is, she spits first and then says the base and and is like into it. Uh, She likes to spit on the field, and she knows where the base is. Evie Evie is a determined fielder. Uh, I'll give her that much. Like She really enjoys playing in the field and attempting to get people out. That, that's kind of her game right now. I think there was a, a – it might have been an eight-error uh, night last night. Defense on both the club level and the JV level struggling. I pray for an eight-error night for my team. Yeah. <laughs> We're winning by 15 runs but the if kid, we only commit eight errors in a game. His first game, he was nervous. He got on base four times, scored four runs. Take it, take nice. it, take it. Chad, question for you. Yep. From a Tennessee basketball perspective, how 
and they're likely not thinking about this, but I did last night. Nico Iamaliavea. What a great job he, of pronouncing. I, I still can't been pronouncing pronounce it. that in the shower? I, I actually was digging through my uh, I have back to, to First of all, I have to read it. I have to see it to Io try to pronounce Maliavea. it. Io Maliavea. Io Maliavea. Um, Reed and I were rehearsing and practicing this yesterday, like in front of a mirror. Um, <laughs> the la, fact, la, la, the la, fact la, that he committed la. yesterday took some heat off the basketball program for losing. Oh, for sure. Give you a story. And if not for that, I think that we would be discussing – and we, we, we will. I mean, it's still a storyline because the guy can't win in March. But um, you, you've got Rick Barnes, who, again, can't advance. And this team is way too good to not advance, after, especially after what we saw in Tampa. Um, and we went through it yesterday. Teams like Michigan win these tight games, and Tennessee hasn't and, and doesn't. But I, I wonder what the narrative would be if you didn't have Tennessee football on such a, you know, a nice pace right now with the five-star quarterback and the fact that you're now relevant on a national scale for the top players in the country at the best position. That, that's, the, that's a line item number one in Knoxville and across the state. And SEC-wise, if you're talking Tennessee, you're talking that as opposed to Tennessee losing in the round of 32. Your thoughts on just how it doesn't hide the fact that they didn't advance to the Sweet 16 – but it certainly has not advanced the topic of the failed attempt to do so. Yeah, I, I think that um, all the disappointment from Saturday from the basketball team losing is still there. I think, though, it's less anger this go-around and more just sheer frustration slash sadness setting in. Like, there was a darkness over the Tennessee fan base. There was a darkness in me watching that. I, we got back late from calling a game with TWSAA, and I'm fast-forwarding through commercials, and that second half's going quick when I started. I know Tennessee's up five, and they're up six with seven minutes left, and I start to allow myself to think, you know, this team's just different. You know, they're not even playing that well, and they're up six yeah. on Michigan, and they're probably going to go hit free throws late and win by nine or ten, just like they've done all year, and then, oh, darkness, my old friend. Creeps back in. They can't hit a shot. They get open threes, can't hit them. Michigan is dunking putbacks in because no one's there because all the attention's to Hunter Dickinson. They're hitting miraculous shots from Eli Brooks. And then you realize, you know, to me this is less Rick Barnes and more Tennessee basketball. This is a program win for Michigan. That is a program loss for Tennessee. Tennessee is the best basketball program that also is the worst in the tournament. If you're looking at the scale of Tennessee basketball success over the year with tournament failures, I can't think of many that have been as good as Tennessee that are consistently as underperforming in the NCAA tournament for whatever reason. That's just what they do. Now, I'll also say... Let me me jump in there on one. I I was thinking a lot of Jim Boeheim while while Tennessee right after Tennessee failed because Jim Beheim underachieved for a long time in the tournament before he broke through. We know that he's broken through, has national championship, has a couple final fours on top of that. Uh, National championship, two runner-ups, two other final fours. Has he not won multiple national titles? I know he's won at least one. I feel like he's won two maybe. I haven't haven't won and another uh, final. But I might be wrong. But anyway, I went to look to see what his winning percentage has become. 
he's he's six thirty two um, in in the tournament versus Barnes four ninety. But I wanted to see about early exits. He because he had a lot early, but he used to always lose in the second round. Barnes, just for comparison's sake, sixteen times Bayheim's been out in the first two rounds. Nineteen times Barnes have been out in the first two rounds. But Barnes out twelve times in the first round. And Beheim only five times in the first round. So at least he would win one game back when he was bad. Barnes here obviously won one. Won, well, it's certainly lost. a thing. And I th- I'm, I'm with Chad on the fact that I don't look at that loss and think, oh, here's Rick Barnes again. Rick Barnes in yeah, the tournament. I, I think it's here's but, Tennessee again. That's what I think when I'm watching. But this That's Tennessee, the but thing. here's how I, I don't view it as here's Tennessee again because this Tennessee team was different. Yep. This Tennessee team – I felt like when they lost against Michigan this past weekend, unlike the previous uh, teams that have reached the tournament, I felt like when they lost, there was a huge opportunity missed with this group. And the other ones, you felt like, okay, at best, maybe the ceiling's the second weekend. And if you would have asked me a month ago what the ceiling was for this team, I would have said, just get out of the first weekend. Um, but they, they, as we saw them finish the season – and I'm counting the end of the regular season going into the tournament and the way that team came together, you're thinking this is, this is a legitimate team that can make a run. And that wasn't just local analysis. That was from the national perspective. Well, they were, were under-seeded as a three-seed, whereas a, a month ago, a three-seed would have been great for this group. And there, there's an under... like I'm underwhelmed with the way the season ended. And at the same time, I'm looking at it going... You circled this as a true opportunity missed, unlike some other teams that you felt like, well, maybe you were wishing that you'd get a little bit more out of them, but really they they topped out. This team did not. This team did not reach a team. But it fits in with the narrative because they consistently exit. Well, look, I'll I'll start by saying this. If you told me they were preseason 18th in the country, if you told me before the ball was tipped for the first game, Tennessee was going to win the SEC tournament and go out in the second round, in a close game to Michigan, I would have taken that in a heartbeat before the season. You shouldn't have. But oh, oh, before the season. Before sure. the season. But Hutton's right that everything was so different by the end of the season, and it's heartbreaking to only get to the second round because yeah. of the circumstances going into the tournament. Totally agree with all of that. Look at Barnes' four different tournament trips for, for Tennessee, and this is where this one's different. Uh, the first one came out of nowhere. It was year three. Tennessee was picked second to last in the conference. They finished. They win the conference. That year in a tie, they're a three seed. They beat Wright State in round one. They lose to Loyola in round two at a buzzer beater, and that's Loyola's final four team. That was frustrating because you look up and say, "Oh, Tennessee could have gone to the final four. Yes, with the draw yes. Loyola had after that, but and Loyola they ran won. into the but they the ran Cinderella into the Darling team. team. So the next time they went, that was the Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Bone final run. They get to the Sweet Sixteen. I was there in Indianapolis or Louisville. They lose to a really good Purdue team in, in overtime. Carson Edwards and that team. That was disappointing, but didn't feel off. Except They lost in the Sweet 16 to Purdue in a close game, classic, whatever. The next time they go, they get blown out by Oregon State. Terrible showing in the tournament for a team that was talented, but not nearly as good as this year's team. The first round. But then you get to this year's team and you think, boy, here is a group that was fun to watch, that got along well, they played well as a team. Their assist-to-made-basket to ratio was great. Guard plays awesome. Kennedy yeah. Chandler is maybe the best freshman guard in the whole tournament. Vescovy's maybe the best shooter in the tournament, one of them. You think this is a team that's going to make a run. If I'm going to see a Tennessee team 
ever get to a Final Four, this might be the one. And boom, they lose to a Michigan program that, again, Michigan wins games like this. Tennessee loses games like this. That is the sad reality, watching those two teams play in that moment where it's right there for either team. I mean, Eli Brooks hits that shot. It's a two-point game. And I'm thinking, if Tennessee gets this stop, Zakai Ziegler gets the steal and goes up two when Tennessee's in a drought. Remember, they picks the pocket, goes the other way. There's two minutes left. Tennessee's up two. They're down two. Need a stop. Going to have a shot. Eli Brooks hits a floater looking away from the basket to, t- to take a four-point lead. It's just things like that that add up, and it always equals. Tennessee just doesn't win in these moments in basketball. For whatever reason, they're not that program. Michigan is. Villanova is. Under Jay Wright, I see Michigan and Villanova in the Sweet 16 and think, boy, that makes a hell of a lot of sense to see those two programs go head-to-head in the Sweet 16. That's what they do. And Tennessee does not make as much sense when you see them in the Sweet 16. And they're a very good basketball program with a great culture under Rick Barnes. And a a great coach. All of these things are true. I believe that about Rick Barnes. But most of America, and I get it, I'm I'm not excusing it, they're always going to remember how Tennessee finishes. That's that's always going to be the mark on Rick Barnes. That's why I think... If he continues to put together the kind of teams he puts together. And by the way, they're going to be good again next which year. Which I think he will. At some point, though, they will make a Final Four trip. I'm not saying they win a national championship. But just teams like that, eventually, they, they just hit a year where things fall right. They get the right draw. They play that, hot at the right time, and they go. You say that, but it's, it's just bizarre. And I, I would tend to bet your way on, on that line of thinking. But the Big Ten hasn't had a national champion since 2000. With Michigan State. That's I mean, crazy. it's been that a long... Nuts. Think about that. That's with nuts. the programs that come out of but that I would conference. bet on Michigan State to have another run But, again, but some I mean, you'd be waiting a while, though. Like, it, we, know, we're I, down I, to one SEC school and two Big Ten teams right now in 16. The final, in the Sweet 16. I, there it, is more parity is a, come tournament time. It is the most even playing field in sports. Yeah, you're right about but, that. But with that being said, you should be able to break you through on an crack. even playing field. Right. And we haven't seen that from this group. And unlike past years, I really felt like, even though they would have ended up facing Villanova, um, I really felt like this is a group that did not, we did not see their full potential. Well, and I, there's, a, there's just an empty feeling that's left knowing the way this group played and what they did not accomplish getting out of the, uh, the second round. I hate to be that fan, but uh, I, I'll, I'll say it for eternity. I'm never picking Tennessee out of the second round ever again. I don't care if they're a one seed. I don't care if I believe they are leaps and bounds. I don't care if it's the 1990 UNLV running reps <laughs> that I see on the court that's going for an undefeated season. I will have them losing to a nine seed in round two. You'll treat them like Bama. <laughs> I will. I will. It, that that part of it. I, look, I'll hope for the best. I'll, I'll root them on. If they make a run, great. I, in my bracket and it, with my money, they're never getting out of the second round again. Well, that's healthy, probably for you and for a lot of UT fans. Hit us up. This is the last time I'll be full. That's what I'm saying, because I was right there. I mean, and for good reason, watching this team play. I thought they were going to go on a run. The teams that are left, the Sweet 16, we will uh, reseed. Chad's got them reseeded. We're going to go through it line by line, and uh, I don't know if we'll go in uh, front to back or back to front, 16 to 1. I don't know. We'll we'll find out. It's kind of like mowing your yard. Do you go front to back, back Uh, to front? Hutton, Hutton likes to go back. And then front. Spiral. Either way, it'll be sanitary when I, we come back. I think it's all going to be on the screen at once, so we can go however you guys want. Okay. Well, I, I, I think we know 16. From there, I, I think, think there's I a one. debate for all of them. 
I think you could even debate number I, one. I think Paul can probably guess 16 and one. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, coming up on 16, April 16th, you've got the USFL kicking off their regular season in Birmingham. The USFL, they have tickets on sale for their first few weekends of the season. Adult tickets are just $10. These are full-day passes for protect, Protective Stadium. You can bring three kids under the age of 15 with your adult ticket for free. And this means for $10... You can attend all three games on Sunday, April 17th. You come and, come as you go. Uh, you can check out the triple header, again, for 10 bucks with three kids getting in on that ticket. Same for week two and the double header on Saturday, April 23rd. TheUSFL.com has more information on tickets, on the full schedule, and much more. That's TheUSFL.com for more information on the schedule and how to purchase tickets. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. We are reseeding the Sweet 16. Outkick 360 rolls on from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. Entire crew making the show happen for us. Tyler Castle and Ryan Albanese on the video end of the show. And, of course, David Reed is the chairman of the board for the Outkick Network wherever you're listening this afternoon on your drive home or at work, about to begin that trek home. We hope that uh, we're making the workday go by faster for you. All right, Chad, I feel like uh, there are a couple teams that are up for full debate on where they fall within this 1 through 16. 16's pretty easy. Paul, go ahead. St. Peter's. St. Peter's. That's correct. St. Peter's is 16 if ding, we're ding, reseeding ding, ding, the ding. tournament. But here we go. You've got Gonzaga remaining as your number one overall seed. They were the number one overall seed a weekend ago. That remains the case now. I do. So Gonzaga, um, they're one of the biggest favorites. Purdue's the biggest favorite over St. Peter's at 16. Gonzaga is a nine-point favorite over uh, Arkansas. They've been doing that. I mean, they were not great. You know, it was a close game against Michigan. But Chet Holmgren has not been terrific so far. Single digits in three of the last five games for Gonzaga. He is the unicorn. He's a seven-foot-one guard uh, for Gonzaga. If he gets going, watch out. I think they're the best team in America. They were the number one overall seed for a reason, and I think they're going to roll uh, if he gets going, and he just really hasn't done that yet. Uh, number two on my list, Purdue. I'm this surprised. is probably the biggest surprise. That is a surprise. Um, Purdue is not a great defensive team. Purdue has a ton of size, a ton of size. Zach Eady, Travion Williams. Zach Eady is seven foot four. Uh, Travion Williams, six foot ten. They struggle defending ball screens, which will be an issue against St. Peter's. Believe it or not, I think Purdue wins okay. and they pull away from them. Uh, but they have an issue with those big guys. They get stuck out high with the big guys on ball screens, and they get kind of in no man's land. Ivy is my favorite player remaining in the tournament. Yes, and that is where Purdue to me separates themselves. They got a guy who can go get a bucket whenever you need it, and Jaden Ivy. Uh, they've got the size. Offensively, they've got very skilled shooters at different positions. I think offensively, I look at Gonzaga and Purdue, and 
the third team on my I list this, also, I'll put, hey, I'll put this list, they're different from the rest of the field. Weird and thing that's about where I separate them. Ivy in the first half against Texas did not attempt a shot. Their best player was yeah. zero for zero. They did not get a, a shot at the rim, which This is, is terrific odd. news for me because my national semifinal on that side of the bracket is Zags and Purdue. I've got Zags-Duke. Maybe. I, I think in the yeah, national semi. I, I like Duke. Purdue. Um, I, I would have had them third, Arizona second. But I, I have Purdue above Kansas right now. But you have Arizona yeah. third. Yeah, and I, Arizona's third. Um, Arizona's biggest issue, giving up second chance points. They gave up 20 offensive rebounds to TCU in that second round overtime win. Um, but everywhere else, I mean, they've got a former Gonzaga assistant, Tommy Lloyd, year one, by the way, at Arizona, taking them to number one seed. Pretty remarkable. Uh, run a similar offense. They've got skill. Uh, they've got big guys. I really like Arizona offensively, but giving up offensive boards has been a problem, and I'm going to get to some teams on this list that are great at offensive rebounding. Kansas at number four. Kansas is the overlooked number one seed in this bracket. Remy Martin was the preseason Big 12 player of the year, transferring from Arizona State where he was a star. Six-foot guard, could score from anywhere. He had a deep bone bruise in December, tried to play through it, eventually set out seven games uh, in February. He's back, and he's back. He is playing very well. He is, like I said, Chet Holmgren, if he gets going for Gonzaga, Remy Martin brings a different element for Kansas. I really like them. I've got them at number four. He's 13 of 22 from the floor through the two games, 35 points combined. And I, I, I agree. And I mentioned yesterday, I think we're starting to see Remy Martin become the guy uh, that we thought he was preseason. Well, you, you, part, you put him with Ochai Baji, who averages 20 a game for Kansas in the backcourt. Uh, that's a really good backcourt. They've got a big man who can score with his back to the basket. Kansas has a great shot at a national championship. I've got them at fourth right now in my reseeding. Here's my biggest riser on this list. I had this team going down in the first round this year, and I do not know why I continue to sleep on Kelvin Sampson coached Houston teams in the tournament. Houston plays a very rugged, specific style that is not pleasing to watch at times. But here is what Houston has, the ability to get every offensive rebound. They are a hustle team that knows how to offensive rebound. They frustrate you there. I also feel like it's easier to dictate pace when you are a slow-it-down, grind-it-out team as opposed to a run-and-gun team. So they can force their will on opponents better than a team that runs a lot. For that reason, I've got them very high, probably higher than most would at five. Well, they, in the they stifled Illinois. They kept them no field goals for six minutes there with that nasty yep. D. They just, Samson's got his team playing with some juice. And it's a frustrating group to play. It's, one, it's a team that when, when they get locked up with one of those great offensive teams – it's it's a frustrating matchup for them. They also didn't they lose four starters from last year's. Well, they lost their team? they lost their leading scorer in November or December. That's pretty. Uh, Marcus Sasser from last year. So the top two players are gone. Yeah, Houston Arizona is going to be a, a tough one for Arizona for that that reason. Arizona wants to run and gun. Houston's going to want to slow it down. And Houston, I really think the teams that play slow are better at mucking it up against teams that play fast. And you I don't have, want to watch a team muck it up. You've got a sweet 16 matchup right here in 6-7. and seven. Texas Tech, um, the, another one that is, this is a culture-type program. They will grind you down. They did it under Chris Beard. They're doing it under Marcus Adams now. Uh, excuse me, not Marcus Adams. Mark Adams. 
I've just talked about Marcus Sasser, Mark Adams, the coach of Texas Tech. Um, they're also very deep. They're going to play 10, 11, 12 guys. I mean, this is a fresh team that's going to run at you. This is, um, this is tough. I, I, part of me wants to pick Duke in this matchup because they're more talented. But I also know that Texas Tech is the worst matchup for Duke in their youth because, I've said it before, I'll say it again, Duke does not have a counterpunch. They showed some of that against Michigan State and did well with it, but when things aren't going their way, it's not a group that has a different gear or plays a different way. They're going to have to learn how to play a different way, I think, against Texas Tech and how they're going to defend them. Texas Tech is the best team in America at defending the two, and I'm going to go right into Duke with this. I've got Duke at seven. That matchup with Texas Tech, A.J. Griffin is key. He got hurt late in the game against Michigan State, did not come back in. He is the best outside shooter for Duke. He has to play. He has to play for Duke to win. I'll say that right now. He is their chance because Texas Tech defends the two better than anyone else in the country. They are susceptible at times to the three. I think if Duke's going to pull off the win, they really need uh, Griffin uh, playing in this game. Villanova at eight. Feels low. You've made a good case for everybody above them. Villanova, though, this is your uh, typical. Jay Wright has gotten some one-and-done, two-and-done type talents also, but this is your typical Nova team. Four seniors, one junior, one sophomore. That is their rotation. They're going to play six guys. They are smart. They know how to play together. Colin Gillespie is a 90% free throw shooter. As a team, they shoot 83%. Go try to find that anywhere at any level of basketball. 83% from the free throw line. That is an X factor for Villanova in close games. Uh, Villanova at number eight could have had them a higher. I'd argue he's the best coach in the tournament. I know there's a case for Krzyzewski there for few, but I I love him. He is is elite. He is definitely the discussion for best coach in the country. The thing about Villanova, they are smooth and consistent. They, They do a little bit of everything well where if they're not hitting on all cylinders in one area, they can make up for it. Meanwhile, not every team can do that. Like they, They've got uh, – you, Chad, you, you mentioned Duke. They don't, they don't have a counterpunch. Villanova does, and I think that keeps them in the tournament longer. And it's just it's – a, it's a culture with Jay Wright that whoever comes through there, when they put that uniform on, you know the expectation, and you know what type of game you're going to see and the way they're going to play. Uh, I love that Villanova program. Got them at eight. Providence, I don't think Ed Cooley, he's getting a lot of praise now. I don't know that he gets enough. Um, This is another team now that has a culture and a style of play. Now, here is where it gets weird for Providence and why I have them almost directly in the middle of my rankings. Ken Palm has an analytic that is called the luck metric. Okay? Providence is number one in America as the luckiest team in the country. They are 11-2 and two in games that are five points or less. These are, these, they look at shot difficulty and where they're made. Overtime win-loss record, they're 4-0 and in overtime on the year. Providence. In other words, they were a hair away from not being in the tournament this, this, played this year into based the, on games that were close. This played into the Roger Sherman article I told you about at the Ringer yes. that had them primed for a first-round upset to, Sandy, uh, to South Dakota State. Which I keep putting in San Diego, which now, would be make it a much more attractive destination. No doubt. So, I mean, you, I could throw that out there and say, oh, well, okay, right. So they're going to lose quickly, and they'll be out in the Sweet 16 because they're lucky to get here. But could also argue make luck. they're a lucky team, 
and they make their luck, and they're going to continue to ride that luck into the Elite Eight or beyond. So well, it's a difficult one to pick. It's also difficult to measure that because is is this you know a fluky situation where luck is in their favor because the ball glances off a fingertip upon review and it goes Providence's way instead of you know the uh, opposite way, or is this? They're getting a 50-50 rebound. Like there's a big difference in that measurement. Also, I'd like to know who number two is on this list. Because if number two is St. St. Peter's, is St. Peter's rising up to 15th or 14th, or are they staying at 16th? I don't know. I, because uh, it, if, look for that. if you're looking look at up. the luck measurement, um, how does that factor into the overall measure of reseeding this tournament based on that one factor? Providence gets a lot of respect for me because I've overlooked them the same way Chad's overlooked Houston. Yep. Um, but I, I, I have them lower on my reseed. I have Arkansas lower than where you have them as well. Uh, where, meanwhile, I have North Carolina and Michigan higher based I, on what I've seen. I recently. found the luck index. Uh, number two is Samford. Number three <laughs> is UNC Wilmington. Number four is Alcorn State. Norfolk State, Colorado State. Longwood was seventh. Winthrop, wow. Texas State, Again, Bellarmine. Like I, I don't, I, so I don't not know. a lot of teams that were Colorado seeing. State was a seven seed. This means you win close games. Yeah. But it also means that no one's putting you – you're not putting anyone away. Like that, I, would, I would also argue that it means they're going to be in tight games in 50-50 situations in the tournament, whereas some teams ahead of them, or and behind them for that matter, are not playing close games. Again, I have, was I have Providence. Not a lot of tournament teams. Well, I have Providence where I have them in part because of the luck metric is on their side because they're good at winning close games. They find ways to win and not lose in, in close game situations. So I like that about them. Number 10, Arkansas. Here's the problem with Arkansas. They play about five guys. I mean, they, they'll bring one guy off the bench, maybe two. They have two guys, 80 available minutes. They have two players who have played all 80 minutes so far in this tournament, have not set a second. Um, that will eventually catch up yes. to you. And uh, that is a problem. J.D. Note, he's played 58 of the available 80 minutes because of foul trouble. He fouled out of the game in their second-round matchup uh, against New Mexico State with four charges, four off- offensive fouls, all charges in the second half. Fouled him out of the game. So Arkansas has not been... Again, since that loss to A&M, since that second half, that great second half in Knoxville where they almost came back and beat Tennessee, they have really not played great. They weren't great against LSU in the SEC tournament. They, they got beaten easily, got blown out by A&M in the semi. Yep. They didn't look great against Vermont in a close game, did not look great against New Mexico State in an ugly game and an ugly win. Um, so Arkansas's teetering a bit even though they're in the Sweet 16. Number 11, North Carolina. And I really flirted with putting North Carolina higher on this list. Brady Manick is the key. Brady Manick gets ejected from the game. They're up 25 points. Baylor rallies in the second half. They tie it, send it to overtime. Brady Manick, North Carolina is 22-4 and four when he scores 11 or more points. Um, he is a, 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 a stretch four, outside shooter, the X factor for North Carolina. Number 12, I've got Michigan. Um, a lot of people in the YouTube chat were saying I would have Michigan way higher than this. I'd have Carolina and Michigan ahead of Providence and Arkansas. And UCLA as well. We haven't gotten to the Bruins yet. So Michigan, uh, two names. Eli Brooks, Hunter Dickinson. That's why I have them at 12 and not lower on this list as an 11 seed. Mitchin Diabate as well. Yeah, they've got good... They're, they're the second youngest team left, by the way. 
Uh, they've got uh, Frankie, wow. F- Frankie Sullivan, I think was the freshman that came in and played uh, for Devontae Frazier, who had the concussion. He played well against Colorado State, didn't do much against Tennessee. Um, they've got good size with their freshmen. They've got another freshman starter, also a sophomore starter. But it's the fifth-year senior in Eli Brooks, who was clutch against Colorado State, clutch against Tennessee. And Hunter Dickinson, um, as Josiah Jordan-James said, he is a unit. He is a force down low and difficult to stop. And when he's hitting threes, there's really nothing you can do. you got to hope he's not doing one of the two. And when he's stepping out and hitting threes, it's tough to stop the, the nearly seven-footer when he's doing that. Miami at 13. This is where it gets tough for me. Um, with Miami and UCLA especially. 15 and 16 were easy for me on this list with Iowa State and St. Peter's. Miami has seven total turnovers in the entire tournament. Seven. Fantastic. In two games. They forced 31. A guard-oriented team with that type of plus-minus with turnovers, they are a dangerous squad. They showed how dangerous they were against Auburn in a blowout win. UCLA, I'm putting them down on the list. Uh, Jaime Jaquez, his status is key. Turned a bad ankle. And he is the glue guy for them. I mean, he scores in interesting ways. He can do a little bit of everything. Great defender. He's going to take some charges and get the opposition foul trouble. That is very key for UCLA for him to go. I don't think he is. If he's not, it's going to be Johnny Juzang. It's going to be Tiger Campbell needing to lead the way for UCLA. Uh, but I'm not, I'm not a big believer in this year's UCLA team to go on the run like you saw a year ago where they, they had Gonzaga in the national semi in the final four. Uh, Iowa State, pretty easy for me at 15 and 16. Iowa State at 15, they've got three scores. They've got Isaiah Brockington, Cal Shore, and then Tyrese Hunter. They're very streaky. And when I say very streaky, they're in the 200s in offensive efficiency in college basketball. They're not a good offensive team. They have to rely on the other team missing threes and mucking it up to a big extent. They did that against Wisconsin. Uh, Hunter got hot against LSU and saved their bacon in round one. I don't buy them going forward in this tournament. In St. Peter's, you've been a great story. Peacock Nation, I love you. We all love you. It was fun watching you beat Goliath in Kentucky in round one. Uh, but your front line goes six 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 five six seven. You are about to meet seven foot four Zach Eady and six foot ten Travion Williams. That is going to be a difficult On top matchup. Of Ivy. Uh, yes, that's going to be a difficult matchup for uh, for St. Peter's. Uh, the biggest difference in Chad's reseeding to what Vegas would say the odds are for the national championship. What does Vegas know, by the way? Providence, <laughs> the third worst odds of the sixteen teams left to claim the title. And again, Chad's not basing this on matchup; he's basing it on what he's seen. They're, Vegas is doing this on matchups. Uh, Providence, the third worst odds ahead of only Ohio, uh, Iowa State and St. Peter's. Uh, meanwhile, the biggest uh, team that they would have in their final four would be UCLA. They have UCLA at plus 1,500 compared to Miami, who is plus 7,000. Wow. And Chad had them ranked right back to back, I believe. 13 and 14. 13, I have Miami yeah. 13 and 14. And again, Th- that's this, the is, uh, this is not me ranking who's going to win it all, one right. through 16. This is me looking at the 16 teams remaining and giving you the barometer for where I think they are right now. You can go and to FanDuel.com right. Fandle. slash OK360, and that is how you can place your first bet. Uh, $5 to win $150 in site credit. Even if you lose, you can place a $5 bet as your first bet at FanDuel by signing up. 
FanDuel.com slash OK360 on any of the games in the NCAA tournament. You bet on one game. If your team wins, you win the money. You get $150. If you lose, you still get $150 instant bonus and site credit guaranteed. FanDuel.com slash OK360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Thursday matchups for the Sweet 16 tips off at 7 o'clock Eastern on CBS. Arkansas takes on Gonzaga followed by Michigan and Villanova. That's your TBS matchup that will tip off 15 minutes later. And then your two night games, Texas Tech and Duke on CBS. So you're getting Jim Nance with uh, Gonzaga and with Duke. And Houston, Arizona will follow Michigan Villanova on TBS. On Friday, St. Peter's and Purdue on CBS, followed by Kansas and Providence. Then North Carolina, UCLA, and then uh, the... Nightcap is Iowa State-Miami in a 10 versus 11 for the right to go to the Elite Eight. Outkick 360 rolls on. So uh, first I've ever seen this. Uh, there's a report out that the Panthers, and I, you mentioned this earlier, Paul, Paul with McLean, but the, the way it's reported is weird. I saw this. Uh, the Panthers and Baker Mayfield have, have mutual disinterest in one another. And I'm thinking, okay, like half the league – would I mean two thirds of the league right now would have disinterest in Baker Mayfield? Can that be a report? Yeah. Like well, if as long as he has disinterest, well, it's in only that. it's only a report <laughs> one sided because it's the Panthers who need a quarterback. So the report is no. The report is the that make Baker Mayfield has also expressed disinterest in. I know, but I'm saying, saying that's matter. not newsworthy because if I'm Baker Mayfield, yeah, I, I'm disinterested in the team that's not interested in me. Right. So the the team that's quarterback needy saying I'm not interested. Yeah. An available also, quarterback, Baker Mayfield, is the story. Mayfield. That's a funny way to word it because, of course, I'm disinterested in the Carolina Panthers thinking they're too damn good for me. You don't, you don't get Did to you trade Did you see Sam yourself. Darnold play a year ago? <laughs> somebody, <laughs> trades, somebody trades for you. You don't trade for the team. That's all, it, that's, I'm with you on that, Chad. It's funny. Yeah. Well, this You're is getting towards, traded for. This is headed towards Baker Mayfield's going to be the best backup quarterback in the league. Or the starter in Seattle. Yeah, or Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be the best backup quarterback in the league in San Francisco. I don't know. Do, do you see which he I don't see happening? And Pete Carroll getting along? I I don't. I do. Pete Baker, Carroll's not. Um, the, the the offense is very similar to the one that Stefanski was running. It's not exactly the same, but it's. I mean, it's a run based oriented offense. I'm talking um, personality wise more than. Well, uh, I think I think Pete Carroll. Uh, Pete Baker's. I think Baker Mayfield plays best with a chip on his shoulder. And, I agree with that. I mean, it's a it's a short term deal. I mean, I'd rather have Baker Mayfield than Drew Locke. I mean, oh, I, I, that's I, what Pete Carroll's working with right now. I would too. Um, I'm not positive where Seattle's drafting. They don't have a first round pick. I don't think. Still from uh, Jamal Adams, which would put right. them um, in the second round, and they're at 40th. They draft 40 and 41. So I wonder if uh, if one of those picks is going to be one of the quarterbacks, um, or what? So it'll be interesting to see what where Seattle heads. But I don't think there's a ticking clock 
on the Baker Mayfield thing, like um, who's – it doesn't feel like there are multiple teams there forcing something to happen. It feels more and more like he's going to go and be someone's backup, you know, competing for a job eventually, which surprises me. I mean, you almost – I mean, at this unless, point, the Browns are going to have to pay a team to take him. If the, well, if the Panthers are already saying So what do you not, have to get his salary down to um, to get a fifth for him? Or sixth, or you know, or a conditional fifth or sixth. I mean, you twelve. Either that, or 10? you you end up having to throw some picks in on top of Mayfield to get a like a fourth in return plus a team takes on his money. Like I, you know, a fourth might be too generous. My fifth. Like I got. I don't know how they get rid of him now if it's not Seattle, because you're not you're not trading for Baker Mayfield. Yeah, if he's back up, your money's got to be lower. It's got to be a lower pick. Yeah, the money's got to be lower if you want a higher pick. And if you don't, you're getting a very low pick, and you're just you're paying a team just to get rid of him. Like you didn't get nothing in exchange. Amazing how fast. Uh, two years ago, the guy was you know looking pretty damn sweet. And now he's got you know he's coming off that shoulder issue, and so is Garoppolo. That's the other thing that holds that up. I'm on the Garoppolo stage train. I mentioned that a, a little while ago as potential. Maybe maybe at least until something goes down somewhere else. Yeah, he, if he stays, he's not for long. He'll be shipped off early portion of September, if that's the case. Who knows? The craziness. We'll have four other trades by tomorrow's show. Hope you'll join us hope. starting at 2 o'clock Central right here on the Outkick Network. Do not block the box. Do lock your locks.